and welcome to the Smart Buildings Insider, a podcast series where we get the latest insight from experts and leaders about smart buildings innovation, technologies and trends. I'm your host Indri, a global headhunter in the smart buildings market with CM Industrial. And in this episode, I speak to Eric Farvok, who is the Chief Strategy Officer and co-founder of Disruptive Technologies. This Norwegian tech company is the award-winning developer of the world's smallest wireless sensors, as well as IoT infrastructure. So naturally, Eric had a lot to say about the importance of retrofitting and sensor adaptivity. In our conversation, he also shared insight into the company's work on the Royal Opera House in London, which I found fascinating. I hope you enjoy listening. I'm thrilled to welcome Eric Farwog, uh, founder and chief strategy officer of Disruptive Technologies. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for um, inviting me. Thank you for joining me, Eric, today. So just before we start, can you give us a little bit of your background and how you came up with the idea of Disruptive Technologies? Yeah, so my background is from uh, microelectronics within within physics and, and, and microelectronics design, uh, chip design. Um, started to work for a company that made the world's first digital radio transceivers in CMOS technology. Um, and that's kind of very specific, but, but the application it went into was Sony PlayStation game controller, um, security and alarm systems in houses, um, the key that you use for the car um, in order to make keyless entry to cars. Um, so that mar- those markets really exploded in the early 2000s and, and we were acquired by Texas Instruments in 2005. This was a company named Chipcon. Um, worked for Texas Instruments some years, learned a lot. Um, uh, that's uh, one of the, the largest chip uh, manufacturer design companies in the world. Mm-hmm. They're known for their calculators, uh, but that's basically the, the, the spearhead brand. Um, but they're designing and, and, and uh, manufacturing um, high performance uh, microchips, basically. Um, and then uh, the former CEO started a new company uh, named Energy Micro, where uh, I was uh, responsible for half of the technology, the analog part, basically the, the kind of physical stuff, the, uh, the converting the, the physical world to the digital world. And in, in this company, we built the lowest proper microcontroller in the world. Um, and the microcontroller is basically a very small computer that is into everything that has to do with electronics. From an oven where it might be one to um, a car where it might be 400 or a thousand uh, to a PC where it might be in the range of 50. So uh, our aim with this microcontroller was to reduce current consumption. So battery was uh, prolonged from say uh, one year to four to 10 years and also to simplify development to something completely different than how it has been to develop on a microcontroller. So from 8-bit to 32-bit and a, and a good development uh, environment. So how, what, what this, why disruptive? Well, um, we thought that we did a quite good job um, designing these chipsets. Um, a lot of effort is, is, is very yeah, challenging to design good microprocessors. Um, but still, um, 
very hard to build good end customer products uh, for various reasons. Mm -hmm. So at the same time, I'd seen that we had problems or challenges in the lab to just do something simple as temperature measurements. I mean, uh, that, that was a kind of an engineering project by itself in order to log that simply in a Google sheet or add new temperature probes and accurately read out temperature. So the idea was basically to make that simple. I also had that challenge um, in my private life because I was building a house and then I wanted to know what the temperature was in, in various pipes and, and um, through the walls and so on. But there wasn't any good solution. So the idea was to make the sense a, a sensor that was really small so it could fit anywhere. Um, and also by laws of physics, the quality normally increases uh, or is improved when the size is reduced and, and also the cost is reduced when the size is reduced. So there's some benefits there. And, and the number of applications increases or use cases increases when the size is reduced because it basically fits more places. So um, that's the argument to, to make it small. And then uh, robustness. So you didn't need to sort of read a specification every time you wanted to install it at a new place. You just knew that you could place this sensor if it was in the fridge or if it was in an oven. Um, so minus 40 to plus 85 degrees and simplicity so that you didn't have to think about passwords, commissioning, um, anything. And, and the, the last product value would be, uh, would be cost. So that it would be affordable to install and to operate. And there uh, comes the battery lifetime as well. It needed to sort of be place um, and then forget. Yeah, I think that makes sense because people used to, and I think they still do, that think that sensors, you know, are, are quite complex. Um, but nowadays you can, you can <laughs> sense that the, uh, the part of our everyday life, especially in the smart buildings. So you already mentioned that it's really easy to use and it's very small sensor, but can you just explain a bit more um, how easy it is to make them operational? Yeah, thanks for the question. So um, kind of we come to realize that, the, the, that where it's sensors today, you really have a problem. You really need sensors. So you kind of skim the, uh, the, the high, high value application with with could be stainless steel sensors uh, with a network behind. It could be, um, and, and a lot of, I would say, um, installation planning and engineering. Um, a lot of data that you today want is basically from simple data from the real world around us, in, around us into an app um, uh, or a software system that can trigger a work order or that could tell you that the door has been opened and closed this many times, or it's empty for toilet paper or whatever it is. Um, or you want to know the CO2 level in a building or, um, or uh, that the, the fridge door is open, these kind of things. So um, you need to make the friction of install extremely low so that these sort of data points is also kind of valuable to collect. One, one part of it is cost and monetized part of it. The other part is, is, the, is the user friction. So we've made it extremely simple to install and to commission. And the, the commission process, does, it, it doesn't exist. There isn't any passwords. There isn't any registration. I mean, if you basically pay for the sensors during that process, we have your email and the sensors are commissioned to your account. They are working before they come in your door. It's something completely different. You plug a cloud connector in the wall or in the Ethernet power and it and it basically works. 
Um, and the sensor does not talk to only one cloud connector. It could talk to all the cloud connectors in the world from disruptive. So uh, in order to increase range, you just add a new cloud connector. If you want a new increase redundancy, it's the same. Um, uh, so there is literally no, I would say no, no required process around the commissioning at all, which is completely different because normally when you install a sensor, when you do a sensor installation, it, it consists of uh, specification, planning, configuration, installation, and then afterwards testing of the system. With us, the testing is also done during placement of the sensors inside. So it's, it's, it's just a completely different experience. And, and the, 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 what we've seen is that this is one of our good upsell values as well. Customers have pilots come back to say, you, there's a lot of companies that place this simple. It's really, yeah. It's very different, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, so basically to touch on the retrofit then, obviously we see many new building developments rising around the world and that are matching, they are matching, sorry, to the system, sustainability regulations. Um, but around 85% of the existing buildings be, will still be around in 2050. So is it very vital to think about how to turn those buildings into sustainable ones? So how can retro facilities adopt IoT? Yeah. Um, this is a very interesting uh, question. I think um, sensors is just a small part of that puzzle, uh, to be honest. But it's it's a, it 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 could turn out to be quite an important part because you really need to understand where you are and continuously monitor where you are going in order to improve. Um, and so I think uh, maybe the most concrete example on this is where you have, say, older buildings that that needs to stay as they are, but you still need them to, to be maintained or be aware of, of potential issues. Uh, so for example, with the Royal Opera House in London, uh, there's a golden ceiling. Um, and then the humidity level and temperature at, at, at this, under the ceiling is very important for the, for the long livity of that, uh, that golden ceiling. So um, you basically, need to handle that on the floor level um, and you don't want these sensors to be seen um, in the floor and you need many of them because this could be quite local and so we with them we have uh, a company uh, named integral which is owned by jll um, mm -hmm. uh, one of the big facility management companies in the world uh, and they have about 250 sensors installed in the ceiling and, and that they're now uh, rolling out even more sensors in the same type of applications. We have museums as well. You do not want to see the sensors, but it's very important that certain requirements are met. Um, and uh, on the sustainability side, if 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 not, you were you you would need to kind of rebuild the building uh, or add new sensors with wires and a lot of uh, and, and and change the sort of infrastructure in the building in order to add these data points. So that's why small virus sensors uh, fits perfectly in these applications. Then the kind of what people think when when we say we talk about sustainability is energy savings often and, and rebuild buildings in order to save energy. But the impact of building a new building is huge. I mean, um, especially if concrete is used. And, and so if you can um, control the energy uses and uh, usage and there's various ways to do this um reducing temperature is an obvious one but but 
also control the pressure in the building is quite important to have an overpressure and and there's very and, and and also the hvac system normally there is some issues in the building it doesn't it, it's very hard for it to run optimally so just by doing these kind of small tweaks i would say um you can gain a lot and then you don't need to rebuild um or take that investment uh, as early as as you might think yeah i think i think that definitely makes sense a lot of people thinking that it's easier right now or cost effective just to demolish an old building but logically thinking well in real life to be fair you you wouldn't be able to do so and you still need to develop those old buildings somehow um in terms of concerns and legislations i feel like in especially in europe there are a lot of old assets what are the main issues or concerns from people you you're facing when when you're talking about technology and and smart technology and sensors etc i think the number one concern um before they talk to us is is complexity uh and that there's a kind of a jungle of different options so um uh we've i mean it's hard for us to do something with a jungle of options of course but we do we we think we actually we have solved the simplicity part it is extremely simple to install sensors with you do not need an engineering company you can do it yourself and the service company they can do it themselves you do not need an electrician everything is made so that these data points can be delivered from the place you install them to wherever you want extremely simple um so this is my, maybe uh, i would say top of the common concerns uh list then also there's uh, when it comes to sensors it's about yeah the performance and and also various uh, i would say certifications in certain areas um we we have a food compliance certification um but the world is full of of certifications so so it's yeah. it's is a is a real kind of concern but then at the same time it also depends on how you use the sensor what sort of if it's too observed um but you also have kind of manual checks there are some requirements in in certain industries and and um if uh, if if it's only the sensor if or if this accuracy level is needed then you need to calibrate it or you need to replace it and these kind of things but this is something that we know and that we can can discuss with the various customers as well yeah you mentioned obviously the opera house and i think it's very fascinating uh can you just explain a bit more uh what was the work and what's the outcome of it yeah so um the opera house is is kind of interesting i think um we this is this is one case study that we published on our website as well so you can read more on it there but mm-hmm. but it's kind of to generalize it it is about being able to observe older buildings or or um assets that you that you do not want to interfere with somehow um in a in a sort of anonymous way without without any um, just automatically um and without anyone uh, that can see it but we we do have these sensors in other monumental buildings as well but uh, often we're not allowed to talk talk about it but it's i would say it's it's a very good opportunity for disruptive um but when we see the manpower that goes into and the competence that goes into uh, monitoring these buildings today it's obvious that by adding sensors 
it's a huge benefit for them. So, mm -hmm. uh, so uh, the opera house is just just one single example. But it's about temperature, it's about humidity, it's about being as close as possible to what you would like to observe, um, and it's about not being able to kind of um, to detect where the temperature is is measured because the sensors are small and and not need to maintain it after you install the sensor because it's the battery lifetime of 15 years and all of these things. Um, and there might be other products on the market that can kind of do the same type of monitoring. But, but our goal um, and, and, and what I think we have delivered on is to make this as simple and, and reliable um, as possible. Well, I guess, yeah, like such, such, as you say, such, such buildings like Opera House, it's, it's really fascinating in terms of like how you preserve and how you prolong the, the building. Uh, but you're also working with commercial offices and commercial buildings as well. Um, so what do you think, obviously tangible and intangible results in terms of like to make those buildings smart? Uh, I mean, there's a really common topic right now for the office workers to come back to the office and how they feel and a, a lot of people want flexibility and uh, you know the way they work is a bit changed since last year. So what do you think what are the, the advantages in terms of making the building smart? Yeah, so what Disruptive do is that we deliver um, raw data as simple as possible to be viewed generally on a dashboard that we have or within vertical specific applications um, on an API. So for example, if, you, if you're a facility manager, you want to know which, which toilets to clean uh, or where to replace soap. Uh, if you're uh, uh, sort of responsible for the well-being in a, in a company, you want to know that the, the, the employees uh, are uh, sitting with a certain distance, with enough volume of air and these kind of things. Uh, and then you might have an app that you can monitor this or employees have so they can, can, can have a look and, and see how they're doing themselves, what the environment is doing. Um, and so we provide a data into them. Um, so it's it's through the applications that are verticalizing basically the data that we provide. Um, yeah. So so the kind of ROI question or the return of investment or what what do you gain is very very dependent on the application on top, um, and also the ones using that application on top. If that's the employee, it's one thing. If if it's a service company, say JLLISS, Sodexo, one of these, it's 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 another calculation. Um, but all of these use the need sensor data, and many of them just don't know it yet. But but it's now it's coming. Yeah. Um, they need data from the real world to understand and not have people out there um, just manually going around and doing um, these manual ob observations. Um, and so um, specific use cases um, in an office environment, you want to know where people are sitting. So presence desk occupancy uh, is one, uh, counting how many are going in and out of a door, um, how many times have a toilet room door, washroom door been open and closed, um, and you clean based on that instead of kind of frequency-based as it is today, uh, two times a day, you clean often if there's many people that use that or more seldom if not, and then you can increase quality and reduce cost at the same time. Um, yeah. Air quality, kind of obvious these days, but it didn't used to. CO2 was not something that people 
were interested in. Now it now it is, um, because then there is a higher density of people there. Um, and so there's all, I would say, all sort of um, use cases where you need data from the field operations or around yourself. Yeah. Was maybe a long answer to a quite simple English. No, no, it was great. Thank you so much. <laughs> I think that absolutely makes sense. Um, and yeah, just in terms of like smart buildings, I think it's such a buzzing word and such a buzzing topic right now. And people, especially after last year, talking more and more um, about how to make the buildings more comfortable. So what do you think, what does the future hold for, for smart buildings or, or for disruptive technologies as well? Yeah, um, I think we, we're going into a fantastic future if we, if we handle it well. Um, if we do not handle it well, not for disruptive, we, we might not. But I think we have a fa- an, an, an amazing opportunity. Um, and it's about um, giving people freedom to do what they want. Um, but that, that basically becomes soon a political discussion as well, which we will not have here. But, but it's about observing the world um, autonomously. Um, and connecting that to action, actionable mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, results that can can kind of very often correct the situation or do maintenance on the situation that was observed, uh, and by that closing the loop. Those actions um, need to be done by um, people, um, or they could be done by the machines with adjustments uh, themselves. So this autonomous world will save effort at a completely different scale that we know we've seen before, reducing cost, mm-hmm. and it will increase quality. Um, and this is the world that we're entering. I think um, with the cloud development um, that has been over the last, I would say, last six, seven years, enabled by the cloud infrastructure from the big ones, um, they've spent a lot of time on developing applications for themselves. I mean, building great software applications. Um, but keep in mind that, that the input to these devices is still from the internet or two thumbs yeah. or from people that are kind of using these devices somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's always dependent on that device that you bring with you. What you really want in many situation is not to be at this place. You just want the data. And that's where we come in to allow yeah. gathering of data from the physical world at an exceptional scale, wherever you are in the world um, and, and mm-hmm. being able to observe. So, so I think that's, that's kind of um, a vision that we've had since our beginning uh, and that we see is more and more starting to fulfill. So these software applications, they, they reach out to us and say, we have this facility management system uh, or we have this uh, building automation system um, how can we get more data into it? So very often retrofit, but that's more and more important as well. Um, and or how can we enrich this application? We have these sensors there, which is kind of. But could we bring more data points in? Because then we would be able to uh, use AI or we'd be able to trigger a work order based on that. And this will more and more happen. Yeah, absolutely agree with you, Eric. Yeah. Again, a long question to, to a short question or short question, but it's a, it's a very interesting topic. And I think we, the applicate and the applications and kind of closing the loop, it will take some time, but we'll completely change the world. Yeah, absolutely agree with you. And our forecast as well for the growth. And I think it is definitely going to a positive way. Well, thank you very much, Eric, for your time today. Uh, it was absolutely excellent to speak to you. Thank you. 
Thank you so much. So that was my conversation with Eric Farabog, who's the Chief Strategy Officer and co-founder of Disruptive Technologies. I'd like to thank Eric for his time and fascinating insights on the importance of retrofitting and sensor adaptivity. If you'd like to ask myself or Eric any questions about what was discussed, don't hesitate to get in touch. This podcast was powered by CM Industrial, a global search firm with specialized consultants dedicated to the smart building market. For more information about our services, please go to searchingindustrial.com. That's it from me, Indri. Thanks very much for listening and bye for now.